and start, or we can give Chris another minute. It is only just 831. Mandy, as the vice chair, I'd say that's your call. <laughs> I, I got the impression Chris was going to attend, so I would give him two more minutes. Okay. Oh, he's here? Oh, he's on the way in. Morning, everybody. Good morning. All right. I think you've done this enough times. You think I know how to, where the, the link to the. That's okay. I've been having trouble with the participants list this morning myself. So, okay. Well, I think, um, Chris, we're ready whenever you're ready. So, Kurt, you're ready? Yep. So, when, if, if we're ready to get started, we can go ahead. All right. This is Chris Gohard with the uh, Special Alcohol, Alcohol Tax Advisory Committee, and we'll call the, the meeting to order. And uh, the first item on our agenda is, is a presentation from our city manager about the city strategic plan. And appreciate Craig to take the time to come speak with us and um, save our any questions we might have and allow Craig to, to do his thing. So, Chair, this is Casey Toomey. Before we do that, we do have a member, Jeff Fry, who is on for the first time. I thought it might be oh. helpful for Jeff to be able to um, meet all of you. So maybe we could just take a kind of a combination of roll call vote and introduction and go around and um, you can each introduce yourself to Jeff. I think he said he's traveling, so I'm not sure that his camera is on, but um, if, if maybe you could just all take turns and introduce yourself. Absolutely. Welcome, Jeff. I'm Chris Cohart, chair of the, the committee. There he is. Not traveling for another 15 minutes. Oh, okay. Hey, Jeff. I am Mandy Enfield. I am in the United Way um, representative position on this board. And this is, I think... Wrapping up my first year seems like much longer, but I think I've been on here for a year. Maybe Dorothy? I'm Dorothy Hoyt Reed, and I'm a retired Spanish teacher. And I just, this is just my second meeting, and I think I have to reapply because I just filled in a short position. So, <laughs> yeah, we've met before, Dorothy. Oh, okay. <clears throat> Over there in North Warren. Oh, okay, yeah. We had the we had the barbecue shop at the other end of the. Oh yes. Yeah. Well, coming back to me now. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, we're, we're not even getting any uh, better retention in these days. <laughs> <laughs> and then Kimberly. Good morning. I'm Kim Johnson. I um, have served on the committee for maybe four months. Um, shake a stick at left or right on the, the month side. And um, I am on the board of the Boys and Girls Club and I work for the University of Kansas Medical Center. Nice to meet you, Jeff. My pleasure, Kimberly. And I think that's everybody. Jeff, I don't know if you want to give us an introduction to yourself. Uh, my name is Jeff Fry. I've been in Lawrence with my family for uh, 30 years, where we raised our uh, three children. Um, I've, uh, I've been a uh, business owner in 
different capacities and in Lawrence uh, uh, pretty much most of that time and uh, now am uh, partners in a uh, <clears throat> lobbying firm that uh, lobber, lobbies uh, strictly on liberty issues. We were one of the leaders of uh, uh, of med- medical marijuana legislation that's that's uh, being politically uh, batted around out there as as, uh, as well as uh, a, yeah, a number a number of different choices to ex- expand people's um, uh, freedoms here in the state and less involvement with government. Sorry about the government thing, but <laughs> here I am serving, serving our community and the government, but it's, it's not really anything with you guys. Property taxes uh, at the state level, those kind of things. Well, welcome to the board. Okay, thank, thank you. you for taking the time to do that. Sorry, Craig, I'll turn it back over to you. Okay, thanks. Good morning, everybody. Uh, nice to see some of you and meet some of you for the first time. Uh, my name is Craig Owens. Uh, I just just passed three years as the city manager here in Lawrence, and it's been an honor being here. A strange three years, obviously, but uh, wherever I would have been, it would have been strange, I'm sure. Um, so it, it, what I've been trying to do over the last few months is really just meet with these volunteer boards and commissions and, um, and just kind of give you um, an orientation to the strategic plan that we we've worked as a community to build over the last um, couple of years, and kind of just give you um, some insight into it, and uh, hopefully uh, see how it works, and um, how it can help your work, and then um, answer any questions that you might have. So I'll move through pretty rapidly, but please stop me if you if there's any questions, and then uh, we can we can chat after that. Um, so. And, and thank you for letting me be on the agenda. Uh, just I will try and try and use that time respectfully. Um, <clears throat> so when I first arrived, there was a strategic plan in place that um, really was less of a strategic plan, more of a kind of a we'd like to do these things, too. Um, and it was built mainly from our elected body. Um, the uh, city commission, uh, and these are some next things we'd like to do, which is a good start, but it really didn't talk about what are we all in business to do? What are we trying to achieve as a community? And um, so it was the things on top of everything else that we have always done. And so when we undertook an update or rewrite of the strategic plan, we there were some foundational things that we were important to us. First of all, it, it needed to be the community strategic plan. So it needed to be built on listening to the community. So we um, set out um, a listening session with, um, I asked I asked for volunteers within city employment and employees and um, hope that we get 20 people to help us go listen. And I actually was really excited that we had 50 volunteers, 50 different people from around our organization, all different levels, all different departments, and really representing the community pretty well um, because we most live here and are part of this community. So I was really excited to have this, this large group of people. And we, we gave basic training on, you know, how do you listen? How do you hear people? How do you make space for different people, whether it's a facilitated or it's just a, a conversation at a table? And um, so we went through that process. And then we said, hey, we want you to go out and get invited 
to where people are already gathering in this community and talking about their dreams and expectations for the for what what we do. Um, and uh, we, we were good. We were intentional and reached out to um, to as many established organizations that we could find that we knew about, uh, particularly concentrating on those that don't usually get asked their opinion. And uh, we're very intentional about trying to push um, to, to go to those places and, and um, access um, those opinions and ideas and dreams. Um, so through that process, we had about 3,000 people in this community uh, participate and give us those um, those ideas. So we gathered all of this data um, from, from the community and we um, kind of digested it and organized it and tried to make sense of it in different groupings. And we identified five different outcome areas. Um, Casey, I'm gonna share my screen. Okay, you should be able to. Okay, so um, we, we created the strategic plan framework and there's a couple of features of this. One is that um, it has five different areas we kind of curated the information that we had gotten from the community and organized it into five different outcome areas. And outcomes are an important piece of strategic planning because it identifies not what you do, but where, where you go, where you intend to go, and then where how you get there, uh, a, a results or an outcome or a, a change that um, you, you intend to see. So these five different outcome areas were identified. Unmistakable identity, strong, welcoming neighborhoods, safe and secure, prosperity and economic security, and connected city. So that's how we organized all the different things that people said, this is what we expect from you as a city, or this is what we want from our community. And, and we expect the city to be helping us do that. What was challenging about this, but much better was we also said and heard from the community, how you do what you do is as important as what you do. And so we um, established these six commitment areas and those are community engagement, efficient and effective processes, equity and inclusion, sound fiscal stewardship, engaged and empowered teams, and environmental sustainability. So we have to hold ourselves accountable as we do this very challenging work of the outcomes to making sure that when we're moving forward, we move forward uh, respecting and balancing the six different commitment areas. And we actually measure those. We try to have measures and I'll show you some measures here in a little bit. So this is, makes it harder. It's much more complicated um, because if we just use kind of the traditional ones of um, just spend as little as possible, um, you know, which is, is one that people go to frequently, um, then we haven't really necessarily gotten good value. We just spent little. So it, it, all of these need to be in balance. If you have, uh, you don't spend very much and you're, the people that you're asking to do the work aren't paid adequately or fairly, um, you're not going to get results either. So, um, you know, each of these is important. If you don't stay a listening organization to the community, then you let that one go, then eventually that catches up with you either. So it's harder. This way is, is harder and the strategic plan makes it more difficult, but um, it will make it 
um, more sustainable and useful as the years and decades go by. Even if we change what we're trying to get done, the framework itself can be a very useful document to make sure that the community continues to move in the direction it wants to go, but doesn't leave behind uh, parts of the community or essential values that are part of that. So that was the framework that we built. Now behind each of these really pretty uh, little pieces on here um, on our website, um, we placed, uh, we, we built a lot of key performance indicators. So you'll see the way these are situated is each of them are kind of cross-referenced between a commitment area and an outcome area. So they overlap. So you can see all of the commitment um, key, key performance indicators across the outcomes, or you can see all of the um, outcome areas in each one of them has um, a, a relative uh, cross-section to the, uh, the commitment areas. So for instance, um, this is an area that's in strong welcoming neighborhoods. It's an outcome area and you see um, progress indicators. Um, these are commitment area community engagement. So within strong welcoming neighborhoods, the community engagement measure is um, percent of residents who perceive the city as a good or very good place to live. Okay, pretty broad, but we thought that was the best indicator of uh, success where we do those things. So we set a target and now we'll be developing strategies to achieve results and move progress forward in this area. We have to, those for all of the different commitments within strong welcoming neighborhoods. So this is all on the website, it's for you. It's, it helps all of us know where we intend to go together and helps us have conversations about adjustments that should be made. Um, but it, hopefully it's a useful framework that helps us do things even as we adjust it over time. So in a nutshell, that's, that's what I wanted to share with you. Um, the process over the next few years will be to try and continuously align our resources, our strategies, our expenditures to achieve these results and to do feedback loops and say, hey, do we need to make some adjustments or the things that need to change um, maybe to get different results? Um, this isn't working, let's try something else, or this is working really well, maybe we need to focus in another area. So that's what this tool is built to do. And hopefully, especially with uh, volunteer boards and commission members who are doing this all day, every day, like Casey and myself and others on the team, it's it's something you can check back in on and, and use as a reference as well. So with that, I will stop sharing and happy to answer any questions. This is Chris Cohort. <clears throat> thanks for the thanks for the presentation and update, Craig. How often are you updating um, the progress indicators there? It depends on which ones they are. Um, you can see you'll see that um, our we use ETC. It's a Olathe-based company, but they do survey work around the country um, for municipalities and others, but mostly municipalities or local governments, and um, they. 
they will be given, they do an annual survey, which is uh, actually finished uh, its field work and now they're uh, pulling together the data. But you'll see that that uh, community survey is an indicator that will be updated annually. But there's some of these that can be where the data is gonna be more available, maybe even weekly, quarterly, monthly, something like that, or we might update them more frequently if the data is available and conducive to regular updates. This is Kim Johnson, and to um, I appreciate your summary. I I'm afraid I don't believe it answered the question. So when do you expect to? Will it update? And if it will update, how often will it update? It, it each of these data points uh, has kind of its own schedule. Um, we will be looking at it whenever that we get new data, we want to put it in and say, this is the most recent, this is where we are. Um, much of this is annual. Now, there are lead indicators that, you know, we will be looking at throughout the organization that aren't on this scorecard. We've probably got 70 or 80 that are on the scorecard, which is a lot. Um, but there are lead indicators that, that we, we bet that if we do if we do make progress in this area, it's going to affect our outcome um, area or this key, these key performance indicators. And so we have a lot more data besides this that our organization looks at regularly. Um, but it, it just depends on which the data point is. The annual uh, community survey is one that I mentioned because that is seen across a lot of the outcome areas as the community engagement indicator but there may be some others that they can update, can update more frequently. And have they um, notified you of, or did you write into your agreement with them when updates would come through just so that um, the public in general could see those updates? Like, is it an agreement that you'll get update? You'll, your goal is to provide those updates annually or biannually or, or is it just as they arrive? What 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 agreement are you talking about? Analyzing a company to um, analyze and gather this information. Oh, correct. Uh, ETC is is just doing a community survey. So we've done it here before. But we've done it twice recently, uh, last year I think, or a year and a half ago, and then it was done in maybe 2015. So those are on your website. Uh, you can find those. But this is an annual snapshot. Uh, survey. It's not an ongoing one. Okay. Maybe someday we'll get to that place where we can do, you know, fluid surveys, we can do on-demand surveys, but for this, it's a snapshot. So they grab a statistic, statistically um, valid sample size, and um, then we do that. One okay. thing I will mention, you all see, also see on this survey stuff, uh, we we've commissioned them, we paid more to oversample so that we got uh, we got enough data to grab marginalized populations and uh, minority groups. Um, we could we could pull reliable data from that, which we hadn't done before. So we wanted to make sure that that's an important one. and that's that's in not just in community engagement, but that's also in our equity and inclusion uh, commitment area too. So that's an indicator there as well. And and I yeah I asked that because you had referenced um, that company. So a question I have is um, in relationship to that is that data obviously overlaps with information that the government pulls and CDC pulls in the behavioral risk 
um, surveillance sorry, system, so the BRFSS. I, I'm curious why you don't use that national data provided by zip code and pay an outside agency to do it. Well, I, I just say take a look at it. The questions that it answers are, um, it, yes, we want to use other data sources as well. I'm just saying that this one measures, uh, and, and I'll, I'll be happy to see if there's something that does it for free. I am all in on that, always. Um, but what this asks is, as a Lawrence community member, um, how do you like your police services? Uh, how do you like your roads and streets? How do you like your north-south roads and streets? How do you like your east-west roads and streets? So if the, your federal data provides that similar information, I'm all in, but I don't think it does. Uh, and the other thing is this company and a couple others around the country, they because they survey cities all around, so then we can get relative comparative uh, data so that I can see, for instance, I always say the worst performing fire department is going to rate higher than the best performing code enforcement department because they just are in different businesses mm -hmm. and there aren't too many TV shows about code enforcement heroes, uh, yeah. even though they are. Uh, so um, that's we like to have that relativity um, in, in the data set. But if you have if you have something that does something similar, my goodness, I would love to have that. I just don't, I haven't been able to find that. I don't think they'd make much money as companies if if, if they, if we could get stuff for free. Kim? Hey, Kim. Yes. You know more about this BRFSS than I do, but isn't it a website with really hard data um, about drug and alcohol use, mental health, and... Um, needs so it would be like a pretty accurate representation of our community needs in those specific areas am i right in that correct okay so it would be a really good reference point for hard data versus preferential feedback correct and it, it yes that is correct thanks this is Specific. I just have one more question, Dorothy. I'm sorry. Okay, okay. I, I, I will be done. My, sorry. And Craig, thank you for um, answering those questions. Um, I, I do have a lot of additional questions around that, right? Because ideally, I mean, shouldn't our city be able to provide that feedback um, because we all drive on the same roads? So your employees should be able to provide that feedback in a pretty timely manner. Um, just sidebar. On the, the roadside, I was in my, my mind was on roads there for a hot minute. But <laughs> thank you for answering that. So I, my final question that I have for you is, can you tell me what does the term advisory board mean to you? Well, as within the context of what you all provide, your advisors to the city commission. Um, so we have 48 boards and commissions and appointed by the city commission. And um, so they're asking community volunteers basically to give them advice on policy matters. And each of them has definitions, but I'd say that's my general understanding. Okay. And I ask that because in my mind, an advisory board is 
So a decision, you know, the goal is to make um, evolving decisions and an advisory board is there to assist and um, give feedback on those evolving decisions and the advisory boards pulled from all over, right? Just like the group you're paying in, in Eudora, and they're gathering data to, to, you know, they gather in from, you gather these people that are from different backgrounds and, um, you know, that have different impacts within your city and you're asking them for advice to make decisions. Would you agree to that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Sure. I appreciate it. Okay, Dorothy, I am solidly done. Okay. <laughs> well, this is Dorothy Hoyt-Reed, and um, I was just asking what other sources, I mean, is this um, survey the only thing that you use to measure these uh, improvements or attitudes? No, I no, I just used that as the example, and now we've talked about it way too much. It's only one of the overlaps of 70 or 80 measures. So if I just encourage you to go poke around on the site. So you'll see there's some highly technical stuff that is in our municipal services and operations uh, that talks about, you know, water quality and clarity, you know, the environmental sustainability approach to delivering those services. Um, there's there's urban planning uh, things about how close people are to, you know, walking paths and bike paths and, you know, how many people live close to, you know, other other community assets and amenities, which will be, you know, aspirational. There's, so there, it's all over the board because what we're being asked to do is widely diverse. And so building the key performance indicators, not the only performance indicators, but the key performance indicators. We, we had a long, long set of discussions on those in saying, what are the key performance indicators? So if we really want to see one particular needle move, what's the best one that, that matches up the best. Um, and in some cases, there's little orange cones that says under construction, because we know, we think we know the best indicator of success or movement, but we don't have the data yet. So we're doing the process to get the, the systems in, in place so that we can gather that data. This is Kim Johnson. And I, I just want to add one final comment is, um, as a brown woman in America, I don't think we talk about anything way too much. Oh, I, I meant, I meant that's no. how we learn. No, I'm just sure. saying that I appreciate that, you know, what I learn in my world and I, you know, we all go 100 miles an hour for multiple hours of a day. Right. But what I've learned in my world is that what I know in my world, I'm like, oh, my God, I got to talk about this again. But what I learned from other people's world is, oh, that's interesting. I've got some questions. And questions is what engages growth and questions is what empowers advisory committees. Sure. Thank you for that. Um, I, I, was, I was being critical of myself uh, for introducing it without the other things, but I, I thank you for that perspective. That, that, that's very helpful. So, Craig, um, I'm interested in how our feedback from the annual report that we shared with the commission, I, I hope you read it, that talks a lot about transparency. 
is was sort of the focus of our feedback, um, not necessarily specific to the strategic plan. Could you talk about how your strategic plan process and how you assess the value of these different things using your quartiles or whatever you know, worksheets or matrices you use internally. Could you talk about how that helps address our questions around transparency? Um, and I want to put a little context with that in. I have spent a lot of time poking through the strategic plan stuff online. Um, and I've gone through and even, you know, crunched, you know, fairly inaccurate numbers, I'm sure, and looked at a lot of the questions. So, something that really stuck out to me is homelessness is a word that comes up in the, in the survey over and over again. There are specific questions asking the public about what, if they think that's important, an important issue to address. But you know, as somebody who talks about the vast needs of our community, that there are thousands of other equal pieces that aren't specifically referenced in the survey. So how do how does the city reconcile when you give feedback on the value of things? Well, people told us they value the the city, you know, investing in homelessness solutions. We we know that the the public said that and they didn't say this when the survey specifically asks about homelessness, but does not specifically ask about any of the other services that are being defunded in, um, in service of the homelessness situation. So just to, to go back, my, my question is around the transparency in the process and how you reconcile what's gone on with these funds in with the justification of the strategic plan. Does that, make sense? Is it too much? It was a lot. Um, I bet because I, I've listened to when you visited with us uh, the other evening and I read your work, I think I, I can get the context of it. Um, and I know you'll steer me back if I'm off. So, um, but there are several things there. First, I would say it isn't my strategic plan, it's our strategic plan. Um, this is this is adopted by the city commission. Um, you know, we were asked to do this work and put this, you know, go gather data and information and try and pull it all together. We engage the community as broadly as I think any effort has been. Um, at least the, the national consultant that was helping us on this had never seen this level of outreach. So we didn't, and those were open-ended. So the, the foundation was engaging very deeply as, as much as we could people to just open-ended questions tell us what's important to you what do you need what's what do you do you want the city to do um and so if we asked questions that were on follow-up surveys it was from the the foundational basis of this is what we heard we were expected and in business to do um, so I, I'd say that was the first part. Um, there, there are things that are that are important that um, happen in a community, uh, no question, that need to happen, that happen uh, with uh, other institutions, um, other organizations, and not in just this community and community. So what 
my job is, is to do the stuff the city is being asked to do. And um, the city commission gives that guidance and direction. And by, by adopting a strategic plan based on that listing part, um, it, it does define what we are supposed to be doing and what we're being held accountable for in the community, sometimes exclusively. Sometimes we're in shared space. And that's my observation. There, there's a lot of shared space. The city and county, though, have different charter functions, are in a lot of shared space, or a fair amount of shared space. And that's fine. It's just um, who's accountable for which piece. The school district certainly isn't similar. They have pretty well-defined space, which is you know really challenging for them in current circumstances. But those are things that are there. The hospital, the university... Haskell, everybody, all these institutions that are vital and, and critical have roles to play. So this strategic plan is very intentionally defining our roles, defining what we're held accountable by stakeholders for. Um, and that had not been done. As far as I can tell in our research and background, that had not existed in this community before. And I would say um, it's reported that we didn't even have a capital improvement plan until about six, seven years ago. So that's um, that that is was very surprising to learn, considering the size of this of this city and the complexity of our infrastructure and the the demands that the community has for for vital services. So we're trying to be really good at what we intend to provide. And that's what a strategic plan can do. I would also say when you're going from nothing, no strategic alignment comprehensively to this, There's, it's going to take years for us to adjust to those things. And so to go more directly to what you've, you know, you're holding us accountable for, um, I would say, uh, yeah, part of the adjustment was the communication of change, um, the expectation of, you know, now we're doing things with these goals in mind very specifically and intentionally and as we align this is what we're saying yes to we will run out of resources to do a lot of other things that aren't necessarily haven't we haven't been necessarily held accountable for uh, and we're not being asked to do as directly as other places are so i i think that you know this this isn't the only place where that um where we were when I say we, from a staff side, we were clumsy in making proposals of how do we make this change happen. Um, and it continues, you know, the budget process, which is very difficult um, because it's trying to align to what we said we're in business to do, if you will. And as we do that work together, um, it is it, it is definitely disruptive to some pieces, but if we don't have a strategy and we don't say with clarity what we are intending to do, and I'd say these key performance indicators give a, a level of clarity that has never, ever existed. Now, there's really great studies that I've seen where on specific pieces, like a food system policy. I mean, wow, really great stuff that has clear strategies and is trying to move things forward. There's things like that that exist in the community, but it is it is not showing what is the city 
so going to be held accountable for and how do we what's the process of getting improvement in those areas that are vitally important instead of just kind of we do everything we can for everything every place every direction and i i think that's some of what the adjustment will be um so you know i i, I apologize um you know i i hear what you what you wrote and what you shared um we're in this we the staff the city commission all the volunteer boards and commission members all the community stakeholders are all trying to get to a better place um you know the strategic plan does so many things the budget that i propose does does so many great things and does fund positive things but as somebody said in the in the hearing the other night you know we we're talking a lot about the the whole of the donut not the donut itself and that's probably an indication of change and adjustment and it's not perfect it needs to continue to be evolving we need to act experimentally and we have been but it has you know it will always come at some kind of cost and we try to be very measured and, and sensitive to where that is but you know it's it's not always going to be perfect i appreciate that um could you help me understand understand like specifically you know in the survey it specifically speaks to some like keywords like homelessness or this or that in the strategic plan feedback surveys um but there's you know thousands of things that it does not specifically reference so then the city has to use the process that you have like the matrices or quartiles or whatever it is um to assess how these specific items would fit into the strategic plan and therefore be justified um, in the budget. So could you give me an example of like how that would work for for an item that is funded that maybe isn't referenced in the strategic plan or survey specifically? Uh, I, I want to make sure we're talking about the same survey. Which survey are you talking about? That the Olathe group put out. All the survey data that was collected for the strategic plan. There were like feedback sessions with people. And then there was the online survey where it, that got the most feedback where community members filled out a survey online. Okay. Um, yes. I mean, there's one in the field that hasn't been released yet. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I don't know whether that one. This is an old, this is from the over a year ago. Okay. Not the newest process. Okay. Um, Okay, so I again so, I, I want like like say the humane society that's a hot topic or you know like how do you how do you I've heard you say the public has told us this isn't a priority or the public didn't tell us this was a priority I've heard that in the in conversations and commission meetings so when something isn't specifically in the survey or specifically asked about how, what's the process that the city staff uses? What's the matrices? What's the quartiles that I, I read quartiles? Like what is, how do you oh, guys do that? Sure. Well, Casey's the better person to answer. Priority-based budgeting is what we're talking about, I think here. Mm -hmm. and, and also I want to just out of respect from the learning that I, I received earlier, I want to let you know this, the community survey is one factor. Mm -hmm. We have, as I said, we can't we if we only did what's popular that would not be 
responsible. Okay. Um, I'm not saying that we don't like to be popular, but I am saying that if we only went with the winds of change and we, it, we ignored financial data, which are good indicators of a certain you know reality that we have, then that's a piece. We can't ignore how our, you know, 888 people that, you know, I'm honored to lead how they are supported and feel engaged with their work. So we measure that too. And mm-hmm. that might not match up with something they were asking the community survey for. So those are also data points. Each of those six commitment areas, we, we intend to measure equity and inclusion. That's another piece. If we only went with the popular majority, mm-hmm. we would be, we wouldn't be serving everybody we need to serve. So we are trying to listen in complicated ways. So that's why that was my bad attempt at saying before we're talking about one piece. And I want to make sure that you come away with it, understanding the complexity of our measurement devices. Uh, Likewise process, there's there's technical indicators of performance like um, road condition as measured by engineering indexes. Mm -hmm. That, that describe the pavement condition. There's a lot of technical stuff on the pipes that are buried underground and the systems that go there that if we ignored those and just said where it's pot, and that's what we did, by the way, is I don't see it. My toilet still flushes. I want to char- I want to pay as little as possible. Mm-hmm. And so when you just go to the popular one and you only use that data set, you neglect things that are unseen. And so I want to make sure that I've communicated. I 100% agree with that. Yeah, okay. I'm. I'm uh, um, not in support of of the survey process. So yeah, I 100% agree with that. Hard data. And you can't ignore the the community's expectation. Mm-hmm. You can't and- ignore it, but you also can't like make pick and choose which one we use to justify decisions so that's what i'm under i want to know like how that works are those the are those the quartiles like the public opinion the staff like what are the what are these quartiles i'm going to toss to casey to talk about priority-based budgeting um, which we've also been implementing on top of a lot of other changes that we're doing and um it is it is really good practice but it's through the process of change it's hard and the word priority references the strategic plan, right? Like that's how they connect. Okay. And, and just just another throw in before Casey um, uh, kind of takes us through that. The um, I, I want the the shift to strategic planning is also a shift to proactivity. It's it's a shift to proactivity. Okay. It's not which has not been done. We have been reactive to things that come up, reactive to a great idea, reactive to a crisis, reactive to a pandemic. You have to be somewhat reactive. In my observations coming here from faraway places, um, it, it there wasn't any plan for proactively moving us intentionally, you know, no theory of change to get us to a, a place where we we'd like to be as we discuss it. This it does that, and that is a huge paradigm shift. That that is is going to be 
it's, it's not going to be natural for many people who've lived their whole lives here in this community and have certain expectations about the way things should be done or the way things have always been done. So I, I would say that's also a piece to just acknowledge, um, which again, we, we probably haven't communicated or acknowledged nearly enough as a result of some of the, um, the tension, confusion, disappointment that has been communicated to us recently. I, I think, uh, I don't know everybody in this group, but um, certainly Kim and Chris would, in their in their profession, focus on proactive work and can appreciate that and understand it. So, it it's not um, a concept that we don't support. This is Chris Kilmer. Would would it be Mandy? Would you mind? I, I want to talk about priority-based budgeting. We do have an agenda item for the 2023 budget update, and maybe let Casey speak to the priority-based budgeting at that point in time. Um, and then, maybe if we have any further questions for Craig, we can we can do that. Um, we do have some more agenda items that we that we have to get through today. I want to make sure we're respecting everybody's time. I know I have a hard out at at 10, so and I think Casey does as well. So. Um, if we have any further questions for Craig, um, let's let's get those taken care of, and then we'll we'll move on to other agenda items. And if I if I may, um, I'm available to you all. You volunteer your time, uh, so I, I'm happy to have deeper conversations offline uh, with any of you at any time. So appreciate that. I think as it relates to this, Chris Carr, as it relates to to this advisory board, um, I, I, two questions I suppose we have is. From a general perspective on 2023, and I know Casey can get into this a little bit further, but the, the expectation of, of funding stream of this, this alcohol tax um, be very similar to the 2022, how we handled that. So the advisory that we would have and making recommendations to the city for 2023 budget would be very similar to the 2022 budget. Is that a fair expectation? Is, is that to me? Uh, I yeah. think so. Casey might have similar thoughts. No, I think that that um, you said it, Chris, that the uh, recommended budget for 2023 assumes the use of the alcohol tax will be the same as it was in 2022. So. Okay. And, and as, with that in mind, um, We've spoken at several meetings and had further discussions, kind of what the what the role, the future role of this board is. And we know what an advisory board, what what you know, the resolution and the ordinance say that we're responsible for. So um, our role is somewhat diminished in this point with with the way that we're we're doing the funding of this that 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 revenue. And so what what how do you see the, the role of this board for 2023, at least through this budget process. I mean, we're, there's a lot of willing participants here, and we've talked about how we can participate in this process, but um, we, don't, we don't always get to see how the sausage is being made a lot of times, so we don't under, quite always know where we can fit into that puzzle to be of, of value and, and um, put our volunteer time to, to assist in whatever way possible. Yeah, so I can share, Craig Owens, uh, city manager, I can share that um, this is the same conversation I've had with the other boards and commissions that I've visited. Uh, many meet more frequently, so I, it's just taken a while to get to you all, and I apologize for that. But, um, but the reason I'm sharing all of this 
and on really behalf of the city commission is this is their this is their plan this is what they're they want to be great at and they want help from you all their trusted advisors they want help on their top priorities so that's really why i'm sharing this so that you all can look at this and say hey i have an idea or did you did you see what this data trend did or um we're hearing things in the community we need to react to and i want to make sure that you're seeing this in the work that we're doing the proactive work that we're doing the plans that we're building so it, it, you have a very narrow um assignment as a board and um i don't know history or reason for that it, it and it, it's a a guess is that when you don't have a strategic plan at all and you don't know where you're going to go and you haven't really you haven't had direction from uh the elected leadership um then you ha you have to do the proactive work you have to plan a year at a time and so i i do think that probably is part of what you just asked me uh, but all the boards and commissions are really being asked help us with this work there's a lot of policy work that needs to be done and um that 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 can be benefited from the perspectives of the the people that have been appointed by the city commission to advise them on policy and hopefully in in um tandem with and in partnership with the professional staff that um, are trying to do the same work. We really should be all doing the same work and have agreement on that. And I think the strategic plan as the pronouncement of the work is um, useful in that respect. And I think that, you know, you're meeting occasionally and bringing your expertise and perspectives in um, can help enrich our plans and especially in the strategies around policy. This is Kim Johnson. And I appreciate that feedback. I think um, my question and, and or concern is, since I've been on this committee and it's been a short window, but um, it appears that the left hand and right hand, though they look similar, do, are not communicating with each other. And that the process for the previous year left out a significant amount of communication with prior organizations um, that were highly impacted yeah. by the changes to FY and not the FY, but in 2022. Um, and, and, and it impacted them pretty significantly, right? Um, if it wasn't for the CARES Act for some, they would have not been able to serve the same population that your survey evaluated had needs. And um, some of those individuals are still struggling. They did not get additional funding. So I guess my question is, is as advisory committee, we brought those, those topics up going, hey, guys, left hand, right hand, not talking. This is a pretty big deal. Yeah. Um, it, how do you see that changing in, in 2023? Well, I, in this period of time, I wrote, up on my board so I could see it all the time I'm looking at it clear as kind uh, somebody shared that with me and I it's been useful to me and I think that's what I kept saying to myself as I read your your letter 
to the city commission. Um, so I do think that we're being more clear now. Uh, and I, um, there are other places where change is happening. It's not just here. Um, and again, we need um, lots of things to go well in this community uh, that we're reliant on um, other agencies, other institutions to be successful. We're um, dependent on them and they're dependent on us to be successful in what we do. But um, so, so I, you know, we acknowledge that. I, I think the communication was it was obviously poor because people, if anybody feels that it was poor, it was poor. Um, and um, largely, you know, we're responsible, acknowledge the, I can't remember how you said it in the letter, but the the uneven, uneven uh, power dynamic, um, absolutely agree, understand that. Um, so um, I, I think we're trying to be very clear that this budget is like the last budget in that we've we've picked an area of emphasis that we believe is very very clearly aligned with the strategic plan and these funds absolutely help do that work and as um, the city commission has um, received and adopted last year's budget and received um, this year's budget that shows that plan that is you know, our, our very clear pronouncement to the community that this is the direction that we're headed and it is part of uh, an alignment. Um, the, the past, um, we, we should have been clear on that and we should have, and you acknowledge that. I just, you said it very eloquently in the letter that you sent and I won't try and restate it, um, but I will acknowledge and uh, uh, responsibility for that poor communication. Craig, um, in, in the spirit of clear is kind, um, I heard you talk about, you know, everyone has their different roles, the county, the city, the university, so on. Since probably late 2018, I've heard conversations about the county should be responsible for social service funding. And all actions indicate that that is the city's position, but I've never heard the city just state that that is, is the goal and the policy. So would you tell us, um, is, that the, is that the plan for the county to take responsibility for all social service funding and the city will not engage with that anymore? I, I, I'm not, I'm, it's not my job to do that. Uh, that's the city commission's uh, ultimate. And I don't think that you can, I think it's just too, that's too distilled to say accurately yes or no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I understand what you're saying. I think these are, these are, these are shifts and movements. They're not complete switch on, switch off sort of things. And what I, what I do know in my three years being here and in having some really useful um, conversations with my counterpart and others at the county, um, I, I do think there's an awareness of we can't both be in both spaces and not have a clarity of, of who's doing what so that we spend the community's resources most efficiently, effectively, we get the most, the, the housing study, the, the um, ho homelessness, houselessness study that 
um, we commissioned, that they commissioned, paid for, but we participated in, is a real good example of that, where it's saying these are all of the pieces that are interconnected. And now, and if you listen to the um, joint city-county conversation on that, I think it was pretty clear that that all of the elected leadership that spoke there that night really are acknowledging, hey, we're going to take this space more and you take that space more. And they kind of had this agreement. It was a good conversation, I thought. Um, I, I only watched the beginning of that. Where Did anybody specifically state which spaces they were taking? Uh, in, in this, it, it was generally the um, supported housing. Okay, just with housing or, and homelessness. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, but it, it's a good example, again, of, I think, acknowledgement that if we all try and do everything and aren't coordinated, mm-hmm. we aren't going to be yeah. successful. I, I get that. Anything. I get that. So, but with, you know, clear is kind. And we've talked about power dynamics with these social service agencies who were, their process of accessing community dollars is gone. There's no process for them to access the fund. They have no power to advocate for themselves because of power dynamics. So if the city won't say yes or no that they're that they have an opportunity to pursue funding we haven't made any progress and and what we pro- what we brought up in our report is not addressed in any way shape or form yeah i have so the last two budgets that i've proposed do not have a a grant program in them the way it has been done in the past that's yeah. as clear as I can be. I think our the letter I sent to all of those agencies did say that. Uh, but all the other references that you held us accountable for from various other people that were going over the past, you know, years, um, but short horizon, they were all with good intent <coughs> trying to say, I think this is I think this may be as possible, but not wanting to be clear and probably not having authority to be clear. So moving Um, forward, are these agencies going to be told that they maybe could get funding or they maybe can't get funding? We don't know. It's to be determined. Is that the messaging again this year? Are they going to be told we will not fund social services outside of the budget process? Um. Well, I don't think we've ever funded them outside of the budget process. That's what they were told last year, that they could possibly get funded outside of the budget process. So that's why they were not able to push back against the budget process, because it would hurt their their opportunity to get funds in the future. That was the dangling carrot. That's the power dynamics. Okay. Um, well, right. My budget proposes the expenditure of the funds that you oversee. I don't. I don't believe in the definition that the only monies we spend on social services are just the ones that come out of the special alcohol fund. That's why I would. That's the only um, stipulation I would make. I think we do a lot of social service funding. Uh, some of it staff delivered. Um, okay. And and so and so I, I. But but as far as is there going to be a grant program? I'm not recommending that. But if we got federal funds or some other thing. That we would absolutely seek those agencies that are already in businesses to help support them. Okay. Chris, we need to get back on track, right? Yep. Yep. I think we can do If there's no further questions for Craig, um, I think we can 
Thank Craig for for the time and, and the presentation. I'm and sorry, Kim Johnson. Can I ask one more question? When do you intend to send the letter to the agencies, just so that they know and they can plan? The you're not going to get any money letter. Well, <laughs> sorry, I just thought that that was a good question. So I have I, I've laid out the budget. Um, that it is a letter to the whole community of this is what we're funding and how we're funding it. Um, last year, obviously, we acknowledged that there had been a change from the previous year. This year, I'm not recommending that there's much of a change as it relates to um, the agent, some of the agencies that got money through the special alcohol tax grant program. I, I, I can send another letter that looks like the one I did to the same recipient agencies, previously recipient agencies, if that is your advice, um, I would be happy to do that. Um, you know, this is, uh, we're, we're trying to be clear. And I, if that's if that's useful, we will absolutely do that. Um, I do think that some of the, our team did meet with some of those agencies last year. I, that's what I was told. Um, so um, that we would be open to meeting with any of those agencies as well. What we're trying, really what we're trying to do is we're inviting the community to engage in what we said we want to do. And there's lots of room for people to help with that. Um, if there are I ideas. I that. I do. And I don't think that any, and not to interrupt, but I, I feel like I, I, I hear you. I understand you. And I what was missing from last year was clarity. Thus, you want to proceed with 2023 and you want all of those agencies to know the same thing, but the letter was missing clarity. So my question is just simply, will you send a clearer letter to all these agencies? I support that the, the, your choice is to fund this, right? Okay, I support that. But all of these other people that didn't get the funding and there's this, you know, dangler going, yeah, maybe you will, maybe, maybe. Well, that lack of clarity from the past hasn't been resolved. Working with right. Boys and Girls Club, I saw all of the stuff that came through and it was very unclear. They even received another email recently asking them, what did you use your money on? And they're like, I didn't get any money. Thus, the lack of communication internally in your team and clarity. Yeah. So I'm asking you, Craig, don't you think that maybe it's a best idea to be clear in reflection of what is on your board? Sure. And it can be concise, right? It doesn't have to have a lot of words. I believe sometimes too many words create a lot of havoc for people. But something as simple as our funding is going in a new direction and your organization will no longer be available to receive these funds. Period. For fiscal for year 2023, right? Sure. I, I will stop now. I, I this, is Chris, this is Chris. I know the budget process is not complete at this point in time. It's not right. the recommendation right. of, of city manager at this point in time to do it. So I think it, as it relates to, I, I don't disagree with you, Kim, that that's, that's probably a, a great thing to say that we're 
since we're still in a transition, and maybe that's a recommendation that we can, we as a board can do as we're trying to find where our role is, um, and we can make a recommendation either on our agenda item three or five about possibly doing that at the end of the budget process for this the city commission. Because um, right right now, the city commission could could change what this, the the proposed budget is um, and and make a recommendation to allocate some funds to to this advisory board to make recommendations. What I don't think that's the direction that we have, but but right now it's probably a premature letter to be sent out until the budget process is, is fully complete. This is Kim Johnson. And just to reiterate, I did not put a timeline on the letter. I asked if a letter was going to be sent. That would imply the letter would be sent upon completion of the decisions. It did not imply the letter would be sent immediately. And the reason I wanted to confirm the importance of a letter is to be very direct. Boys and Girls Club received an email in the last three weeks asking how they used their money last year that they didn't get. So obviously that letter needs to be on the forefront of everyone's mind. Clarity needs to be on the front of everyone's mind and conciseness in delivery of communication. Is that going to be done at some time in the future? Well, of course. The, the final conclusion of the budget? Of course. But I want to make sure that this letter is still recognized as an important delivery tool to communicate to those what your final decision is. This is Chris Carl. Fair point. All right. I, I think we do need to, to move on. We have we have more agenda items that we need to do. And I don't want to cut anybody off at this point in time, but I do want to, can I say one more thing to Craig? Not a question, not a question, no feedback or response. The open gov portal shows for this budget year, 2.9 million for social services and $0 for homelessness. Um, I think that is deceptive. And when the 2023 budget is approved, um, I think it's really important that you do not communicate on the OpenGov portal that you are funding social services when you are not. It needs to be accurately recorded. Okay, move on. Okay, no more questions at this point in time. No more comments as it relates to this. We do need to move Can on. Can I just say thank you? Yes. Thanks. Greg, we appreciate your time and, and being open to answer questions. And um, yeah, we, we appreciate your time and, as it relates to strategic plan and the questions. And yours. Thank you all. <laughs> all right, so the no action is necessary as it relates to the this, we don't have to accept it or anything of that nature. So we're moving on to agenda item two, which is approve the minutes from the April 22nd meeting. Um, did anybody have any changes that that are that were needed? Did they see any changes to the minutes as, as they're prepared? Hearing none, I, I look for a motion to um, approve. This is Dorothy, I so move. Do <laughs> you have a second? Kim Johnson, second. We have a motion and a second, and take it to a vote. Uh, Dorothy, how do you vote? Aye. Mandy? Aye. Kim? Aye. And our newest member, Jeff? Aye, please. <laughs> and this is Chris Goward. I vote aye. So that motion passes the approval of the minutes from the April 22nd meeting. 
All right, now on to the, the 2020 agenda item three, which is a 2023 budget process update. I'm going to appreciate uh, if we could circle back to Mandy's question about um, the priority based budgeting and uh, keep in mind, we do have a, a kind of a, for the committee, we do have a, a 10 o'clock hard stop on this. So a couple of other items to get through today too. I'll try to be brief. And, uh, oh, and, yep, and I'll just say in the interest of time, I think like a large, an overview, a broad overview isn't necessary. I think we all get the gist of it. I'm just interested in the quartiles, matrices, whatever it is I've heard referenced. If anyone else has wants to hear about that. Okay. Um, so the priority-based budgeting is a methodology that we have been using for several years here at the city to try to work towards aligning the dollars that we spend with the city's strategic plan. Uh, we work with a consultant firm called Resource X who has developed this methodology and worked with communities all over the country. Um, it's a best practice recognized by the Government Finance Officers Association and the city the International City and County Managers Association. Um, it is a process where uh, cities identify the services that they provide, and those are referred to as programs. So um, an example of a program would be budget administration, or an example of a program might be um, police patrol services. Um, the golf course is a program. Those are all examples of programs. Um, after those programs are identified, we go through a process of cost allocating all of the dollars that we spend to those various programs. We do it with personnel. So we say how much of X person's time is spent on which programs um, down to every individual employee so that the cost of that person's time is allocated to the work that they are doing on behalf of the city. Uh, we also do it with our non-personnel expenses. So how much of the line item for office supplies supports this program? How much capital um, equipment supports this program? To try to come up with uh, a, the cost of providing a particular program in the interest of being transparent for uh, the community. Once that work is done, then we use a matrix that uses the strategic plan, um, the outcomes, and the commitments. And those all programs are scored by the department that provides that program first. Then they're um, peer reviewed. So, um, for example, we have um, a peer review team that is across departmental look at all of the programs across all of the departments um, for fiscal stewardship. We have all of the programs looked at by a, pro a peer review team for, um, for the commitment to community engagement. Uh, scores are developed for each one of those different criteria. Um, and then there's a reconciliation between the score that the department originally provided and the peer review score. Um, an ultimate score is developed. They're listed in numerical order. And then quartiles are established. So think of a bell curve. Your first 25% is the first quartile. Um, that, that have the highest, you know, the 25% highest scoring programs are considered the first quartile. Um, it, also known as the highest alignment with the strategic plan. 
follow the second, third quartile, and then the, the last 24 uh, last 25th percent um, lowest scores are the lowest alignment with the strategic plan. That is not to say that they do not align with the strategic plan, but relative to the other programs that are scored, they have the lowest alignment. Does that explain the quartiles sufficiently, Mandy? Okay. Yeah, thanks. That, that speaks similar to what uh, Commissioner Larson was speaking to when she was talking about the uh, Prairie Park scoring a 52 or whatever it was compared to something within the police department that scored a little bit lower that we're speaking right. to. So is that what is that sufficient for your budget update or did you want more? That wasn't what I had planned, but <laughs> I, I understand you have a lot to get through. Yeah, I, I think just the confirmation, as we said with Craig, that the, the 2023 budget is budgeting process will be similar to 2022 in which the uh, special alcohol tax dollars will will be distributed in the way that was very similar to 2022. I think it gives us some some direction as to what maybe our our path forward potentially, or at least helping us define what our path forward might be. Unless anybody has any further questions on that or comments. Nothing. Okay. Well, no action necessary for that for that agenda item. Um, I really did want to get to this one. Um, so item four is our update from the housing division on the use of 2022 special alcohol funds. So I'll provide this update. I did uh, receive it from um, Danny Walters, who works in our housing division. And so um, as of the end of June, um, $261,287 have been spent from the special alcohol fund. Um, and that's been provided to Burt Nash for their homeless services that they are providing um, through an agreement with the city. Uh, that agreement is actually... Um, for five hundred and twenty-two thousand dollars, but only two hundred and sixty of it has been officially paid out. Does that make sense? I I don't want to cause confusion. So if that's if I should just say the whole five hundred is accounted for, I don't know. How. In my world, expenditure means something different than encumbered. So what what I want to be helpful to you all and make sure that it's clear. So what makes the most sense for you all to know? So we're talking about the two thirds that was allocated allocated uh, to this. What would have been to the special alcohol advisory board and the other one third to the general fund, making up the full five hundred of that five hundred. Two oh six had been spent or encumbered to Burt Nash. Is that? Well, <clears throat> there was actually a budget of eight hundred thousand dollars of expenditures in the special alcohol fund for 2022. And what I'm saying is as of the end of June, only 261,000 has been paid out. The another 261 will go to the same vendor because we pay it in two increments, right? We do a first half and a second half. So if I say that we have spent 261,000, I don't want there to be a dangling carrot situation. I want it to be clear that there is another 200 that will be going to Burt Nash. So I can either say 
the total amount, or I can tell you what we've actually paid out. And I just want to make sure that everyone's understanding when I say what we've spent means what we've paid out. I I understand that. Okay. This is I understand it. And I, I appreciate you taking the time to note that, um, you know, it, there's two difference and, you know, it is hard with different minds around accounting systems and what's allocated out. A quick question. Yes. Do, and Chris, tell me if I am stepping outside of my square, but um, maybe it's more like a rectangle today, but do we see a report of Burton Ash, how they spent those monies or is that not for our vision? Do we as the advisory board or we as the city? Well, if the city does, then we as the advisory board should, right? Uh, I think that's, this is Chris. I I think that's a little bit of where our, we as the committee's kind of sticking point was a little bit is that if if it went to within the city funds, then our interpretation would be our purview is is of those funds usage isn't necessarily it's not within our purview to to, to receive those reports of those funds because it was committed to an internal department correct me if i'm saying what our what our little sticking point was yeah yeah i mean i think i think that that is something that hasn't been um resolved the the city's opinion that moving these funds to a city department eliminates this board's role and the, the oversight of the funds. So that, that is still something that I think needs to be addressed. May I um, ask a follow-up then? This is Kim Johnson. Um, so can we, can we request to see how they spent those funds? This is Chris Covert. I, I, I think we can for sure request it. And whether it's whether they have to, whether it's part of an ordinance or 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 a charter, I, I think that's left for interpretation. I do think that um, that that was one of my recommendations as our next agenda item is is what the future role of of, of this board to be. I, I do think that's something that we can help facilitate, and our expertise that we have as an advisory board is helping. Um, kind of review the usage of those funds and whether they fit within the the city's strategic plan or not and and help with just the evaluation of those funds. And that that is within our ordinance um, is to evaluate the, the use of city funds by recipients and report to the city commission. So um, also, that would be one of my recommendations to to us as our or as a as we move forward as a board. So fair question, Ken. This is Casey Toomey. Um, Burt Nash does provide a quarterly report and the um, housing division is willing to share that information with all of you. Um, And I apologize if if I have misunderstood the direction of the board, I thought you all didn't want participation from our housing division. So I, but I'm certainly willing to ask them to attend these meetings and provide that information to you all. This is Chris. I think the the concern wasn't for them to not participate as them being the liaison, I think is what I think the, the advisory board had kind of pushed back on a little bit. So I think I think we're willing, happy to accept their participation, but I don't think the board as a whole was wanting them to be the liaison um, for, for this committee. Correct. 
I believe Dorothy okay. had a comment. I have a statement. This is Dorothy. Since we're advising the board and they have a strategic plan, but did they include the groups that that uh, treat substance abuse, for instance? Because I assume that's mostly where we gave the grants. Since I'm new here, I'm not. I don't know all the organizations that you gave the grants to, but would it be part of our role to check and see what impact this is having on their budgets and if, uh, and how it will hurt our town if uh, they would stop doing those services or if they went under? I, you know, as being a newbie, I don't know if that would be one of our roles or not. This is Chris. I, I I don't disagree with that. I, I would open it up for a little bit of discussion and hear other people's opinions on that. Um, you know, Kim's got some expertise in in this area in general, so I would ex happily hear what her her opinion on this is. This is Kim Johnson, and in my opinion, Dorothy, and you know, by now that I'm slightly frank, which is why Chris loves me so much. Um, <laughs> I believe that when there's a car accident on the highway, several cars look and several cars stop, but not all of the cars that stop can help the person. Mm -hmm. We have a situation with substance abuse and homelessness in, in, our, in our wonderful city, but a lot of organizations putting money into it are not the best organizations to be putting money into it. True. So um, when you see something and everyone saturates it, it doesn't resolve the problem. It just throws a lot of money at the problem. Mm. So I'm very interested to look at one year, three year, five year reports and statistical analysis from government organizations that actually evaluate a larger population within the problem of Douglas County and hit all of the zip codes to see what has come from throwing all of this money at one problem. The um, Burt Nash for years has received a lot of money. Their wait lists are extremely difficult for people to get into. Mm -hmm. And I know they're also a part of a government organization that is also giving them money. So my question is going to be to see what that outcome is. I don't personally believe it is the, the best direction for the committee that we're serving on to, to pound even more money into a problem without seeing what some of the money that's been put into the problem is showing on outcomes. Did I answer your question? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I would add, Dorothy, historically, um, whenever this started, that was our some of our questions and concerns was the, the this money was taken from the what had been considered alcohol prevention, alcohol and drug abuse prevention services um, and put towards homelessness services without um, a needs assessment or um, 
intentionality. So yeah, for sure. What you said is, is completely, completely relevant and something that we've explored, but not been able to get much on. Um, and that homelessness needs assessment they were waiting on is done, but I'm not sure that it's available to the public yet. Is that right, Casey? Um, I, right before this meeting, I was trying to look. I, we do think that it it um, has been on either an AHAB agenda or a city commission <gasps> ah, agenda. So, that's it, AHAB I, agenda. It is. It's I, an AHAB agenda. That's where I was going to look. But I, I apologize. I don't know that. Thank you, Casey. And, and Kim Johnson again. And Dorothy, I want to add one more thing. Is through the lens of of all humans right where do you see the problem and what does the problem touch right mm -hmm. so we know we have a substance abuse homeless problem and so if we put the money in burt nash it helps the people who go in there but what about the people that are impacted by those that go into burt nash by taking the money away from those that are impacted children mm -hmm. right other areas that that need these services these people are no longer getting, you know, that those organizations didn't get that money anymore because it went here to assist with um, that venues. Okay. Yeah. Because if you just solve that, their problem, you're not solving the other problems either. You're not. Yeah, and now you've got these kids out here not getting services. Right. And what happens when they don't get services and they learn from pattern behavior, mm -hmm. they repeat it. And then where are their services? Because then the focus of the storm has shifted. So this is Casey. I actually wasn't finished with the update. There were some other 2022 expenditures that I wanted to, to make the board aware of. If we, if I, not to cut off your conversation, but I'm just sensitive that we have four minutes left. Yeah, so, I, was, no, I was actually going to do the same thing. Sure Get back answering to Dorothy's question because she tried yeah. to ask it a few times. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's what I was going to. If there's any other information or questions as, as it relates to the 2022 funds, let's. So in in addition to um, the the payment to Burt Nash, um, uh, there have been um, dollars set aside for the safe bar training for uh, uh, which is provided by the sexual uh, trauma and care center. Um, that's 17,000. And then um, uh Oh, I'm sorry. I already mentioned the other, the remaining payment that has been set aside for Burn Ash again for the homeless services that they provide for the city. So sorry, I just wanted to make sure that I uh, provided the information about the um, safe bar training that's paid out of the alcohol fund. So is there a, this is Chris Carr. So is there an intention or or plan or the receiving is the housing division working through how to distribute out or utilize the remaining two hundred? 80,000, if we had 800 and we gave Burt Nash total of 500 and, and then the safe bar 17,000? That's correct. There are funds um, remaining for uh, needs that are identified through that house uh, houselessness needs assessment. Okay. Does anybody else have any questions or, or comments as it relates to the 2022 usage of the, the special alcohol funds at this point? Hearing none, we'll move on to the next agenda item, which is discussion of the future role of the board. I think uh, we've had a kind of indirect <laughs> conversation about this um, throughout this, and, and 
we only have two minutes left, so I, I may want to table this to, to maybe have everybody think about what, what Craig said um, as really how he viewed the future of this board and, and then find a way for us to, to, to find a niche or find what we want to do. Um, I think our, our role is pretty well defined within Ordinance 9726, so um, it, it may be a matter of us finding what it is and requesting a, a, an amendment to that ordinance. I don't, I, I'm not sure how, how we could, as advisory board, step into anything that's not defined within that ordinance, but... Um, can, I, can I share something that um, I've heard recently that will relate to this? Um, I reached out to Brad Finkeldye because he is an attorney. Um, on my concerns about the language and the two ordinances and how it's being interpreted. Um, I don't, I, I believe that when it says city departments, plural, it's referencing the city manager's office and parks and rec. It doesn't mean all city departments um, and asked that. And I asked that in my public comment too, that the city attorney review that. Um, and my response from Tony Wheeler and Brad is that, Tony hasn't looked at the ordinance because the commission did not direct her to. Um, and if the ordinance does not align with how the city wants to use the funds, they will just try to change the ordinance and that they're going to explore the board advisory board roles in the fall. Um, so I want to make sure that our time and energy is being respected by the commission and the city staff and that this isn't just performative. Um, so I'd like to know more about about what the plans are for the fall. If if the feedback from the board is going to be considered when the when the commission assesses all advisory boards, or if this would be performative and they're going to do whatever they want anyways. That's how I'd like to frame our conversation in the future, not today. We don't have time. This is Chris Carr. I, I would agree with that. I don't want us to, to spend a lot of time trying to figure out how we fit into the puzzle, um, if it's a different puzzle. So with that in mind, um, I suppose we can move on to new business. Does anybody have any new business? Hearing none. Uh, we'll move on to the next agenda item, which is public comment. So open this up to, to public comment if there's anybody um, at City Hall or anybody on, on the Zoom call that has uh, public comment. Nope, there's nobody in the, the room here. Okay, so we'll end public comment and move on to the uh, last agenda item, which is a calendar, which I, I do want to quickly touch on based off of what Mandy had just said. Um, our next meeting is not is, is September sixteenth at eight thirty. Um, do we feel that that is that's going to work with what the kind of the trajectory of what Mandy said with the the, the city, considering possibly reevaluating the advisory boards as a whole? Do we want to keep that or or push it back uh, a month or so? Casey, do you have any idea when uh, when Brad um, says, or I think Craig even said it sometime that they're reassessing the advisory boards in the fall? What does that mean? What's the time frame on it? Uh, at this time, I don't have um, any more of a detailed time frame than than fall. 
this is Chris Carver, the budget, so the budget process, that probably wouldn't happen until after the budget process is completed would be my guess. And I, we have what, an August 25th, is that when our, our the next serious deadline is for the city and the budget process? Uh, uh, August 23rd is the public hearing. Okay. Uh, this is Jeff Fry, may I? Yes. Absolutely. Uh, I, I've been listening to this and if we don't have anything productive to talk about on September 16th, uh, we should probably just defer that. Do we, this is Chris Gore. Do we want to go ahead and defer that at this point or we want to keep it for the time being? And then, and as we get closer, we can make a determination as to whether, whether we have anything pertinent to speak about. I'm reluctant to give up a meeting, and I know I hear you, Jeff, but um, we have really struggled in the past to get a special meeting scheduled. Um, So I'm reluctant to give up a meeting that we have scheduled because I don't believe that we could get another one. Um, But I know that we had talked about we want to be able to meet following the budget hearing or the budget approval. Um, but you know, to what end at this point, I'm not really sure. Uh, honestly, I don't, I don't feel like there's, there's anything to be done at this point. Honestly, if the city's talking about just changing the ordinance and the board's role without a process or a date or a timeline, and that's the feedback I get when I ask about it. So I'm not sure what to do within the system if the system is not willing to I my I guess my point is would it, would it be a valuable use of everybody's time at this point honestly I don't think so thank you you might want to keep it scheduled and then just cancel it within a couple of weeks in case something would come up something else would come up <laughs> yeah this is Chris Gord. I I I say my proposal is we leave the calendar as it current as we currently did it, and then um, I'll work with Casey that it, Casey and Mandy that if if there isn't any significant agenda items as it relates to the September meeting, we'll we either postpone it um, or we'll cancel it. But most likely, what I would say is we'll probably just postpone it until until we have something. Um, like Mandy said, I don't I don't want to have to go through the process of doing a special meeting. Um, we can always change the date and we did that with this one so i think let's leave it for now and and we'll be cognizant of of and respectful of everybody's time for for that meeting of of whether it's if there's anything for us to do any further comment questions on on the calendar i didn't want to cut anybody off hopefully i didn't short anybody as we rush through these last few agenda items well Um, done if if nothing further, I, I make a motion to adjourn the uh, oops, chair. Sorry, sorry, this is Casey yeah. again. Um, I did want to just uh, a reminder for those of you who um, your terms are ending uh, at the end of August. I believe you should have received an email. Um, it comes from like the city of Lawrence. Um, it's an automated email that goes out to folks that said if you're interested in being reappointed um, to go ahead and reapply. Um, so I think that applies to Dorothy. Tim Giblin, Mandy, and Chris. Uh, so um, just wanted to remind you that that's out there. And if you could go ahead and um, reapply if you are interested uh, or let um, Bobby uh, know so that she can let the mayor know and uh, the a, a new appointment can be made um, if you're not interested in continuing on in your service. Thank you for that. Appreciate that, Casey. I, I will. I'll re-up. 
I'm happy to re-up. Okay, well, if there's nothing further, um, I'm making a motion to adjourn um, the 722 Special Alcohol Tax Advisory Committee meeting. Mandy Enfield, so moved. Dorothy Hoyt reads, second. We have a motion and a second. Uh, take a, a vote. Dorothy, any vote? Aye. Mandy? Aye. Kim? Aye. Jeff? Aye. And Chris with an aye, so motion passes. The meeting is adjourned. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Bye, everyone. Thank you, Casey.